Brought to you by DKP and Co. Chartered Accountants and Aspire Planning Group. Football Bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio. Welcome to the Football Bosses here on FNR. Michael Zapponi, Tony Pinata with you, and it's Grand Final Week, Tony. What a fantastic weekend of football we had last weekend. It was the shot in the arm that the A-League needed this season. Uh, sure did, Michael. Uh, fantastic. Uh, the finals have really, I suppose, uh, put the uh, dour season that we've had uh, on the back burner. You know, we've had some amazing goals. The drama last week at Allianz Stadium with uh, Terry Antona scoring with 10 seconds to go and own goal and uh, allowing Sydney back in and then... Uh, that great goal to uh, to win the game and um, the big dancers this week. It, Terry Antonis was uh, amazing given what happened during that game uh, for him to concede that goal with seconds remaining and then respond the way he did. Showed a great character, uh, a, a highlight of his career and someone uh, you got to know when uh, you were the CEO of Sydney FC. Yeah, no, I was happy for uh, for Terry. I thought he um, you know, had a great game and um, didn't really realise he had so much pace. Mm. Yeah, um, although I felt from a football point of view, Brandon O'Neill should have brought him down, mm. taken a yellow card uh, at that point. But, you know, uh, great goal. And funny game, though. So many deflections, etc. But, uh, you know, credit to uh, to Melbourne Victory. They uh, played well and deserve to be in the grand final. A massive show today. We've got uh, a couple of the men who play a big part in grand final week for either of these clubs. Joel Griffiths and uh, Paul Tromboli will be joining us. Uh, both manage the football departments at their respective clubs. And You've been part of Grand Final Week as a CEO. Tony, before we touch on that, I want to ask you about the uh, final system because Graham Arnold came out after the finals and said perhaps it's time to tweak the final system uh, after Sydney only had one shot at it. They lost, they're out. Uh, do you think the first and second teams uh, need uh, a second chance? They're given a chance now by having week one off, but then it's cutthroat for them. Yeah, it's something I've raised with the FFA um, when I first started it. And you know, they've changed the format. Previously, you know, it was 1v2 home and away. I think 1v2 one v home and away is fine. The winner goes in the grand final. The FFA cut a week out of the finals because they felt from a cost perspective, perspective it wasn't worth it because no one goes to the preliminary final. I think they should introduce, you know, we've seen what finals can do. Have a four-week final series. Three, six, four, five. Elimination. Elimination. One v two, home and away. The winner out of that over the two legs with away goals, etc. In grand final, two has a chance to play the winner out of three, six, four, or five in a preliminary final, and there it is. And everyone mm. has a, a, a good chance, and it gives you the opportunity then, you know, for, for you know to, to finish one and two, you have that that, that double, double chance. chance. And I think the other learning out of this finals campaign was uh, around the ticket pricing and uh, the FFA. Uh, reacted to uh, the first week of the finals where you know Melbourne Victory played Adelaide, traditionally great rivals. Uh, traditionally, uh, a crowd of over 20,000 would go to a game in the home and away season and the ticket prices for that uh, in a Category A adult ticket was $69 and the feedback from the fans overwhelmingly was this is just way too much. Yeah, the crowds were disappointed. I thought last week 17,000 at Sydney wasn't uh, fantastic. Um, but this week, sold out. In mm. record time, you know, thirty thousand there in, uh, in Newcastle, and uh, you know, Joel Griffiths played in the, the Newcastle Grand Final ten years ago and won it. 
uh, with uh, with Newcastle that day. And um, yeah, so he's going to be there now on the other side of the fence. So it's going to be an amazing atmosphere, and uh, I'm really looking forward to Saturday night. Talk to us about uh, the preparation for a grand final when you're involved in the club. You're the CEO of the club at Sydney FC a few years ago when you were in the grand final and uh, uh, last season. And uh, uh, just bring us inside the the administrative side of things and, and what it means for, for a club. Yeah, look, there's a lot of work to do. Uh, first and foremost, you have to keep the coach happy, mm. content, make sure no player promotions, um, you know, I had the marketing department asking for this and the media and it just keep everything sort of calm and steady and uh, allow, you know, the, the focus is on, on winning. Off the field, you're, gonna, you're getting ready for, you know, if you do win it, what happens you know, to your fan day, all that sort of stuff. Um, you've got to prepare, you've got to do flies, everything like that. You know, 2015, we did a hell of a lot and had to destroy everything. Um, so mm. it's a lot of work, a lot of preparation. Keep everything calm, keep ticking over. Um, you know, people say it's just another game. It's not. It's, it's a massive, massive game and, uh, you know, the, the accolades and then what goes with winning a, a grand final is, uh, is huge. We'll ask Paul Trimboli and Joel Griffiths the same question uh, regarding how you uh, manage the team and prepare the, the staff for the week, but you touched on it. Do you prepare it like it's every other game or do you embrace what's happening and bring everyone along for that journey and that ride to, to embrace grand final week? Yeah, in 2015, and um, we embraced it just like another game, um, and I felt that let us down. I felt that you can't go to a grand final and, and just be another game. Last season, uh, we, we embraced it as a grand final, home grand final. You know, you've, the players are professional enough to know that uh, it isn't another game and, and the hype around it, and I think by that, way you're going to be more uh, alert etc and uh, you know enjoy the week because it's not often you get to play in a grand final and you've just got to enjoy the, the whole week you know from the Johnny Warren medal to the to the to the lunches that you do to the uh, to the actual game etc. Gee the Melbourne victory lunch will be a big one uh, on Friday uh, <laughs> 1400 people uh, it will break all records and uh, they're looking forward to that and uh, another demonstration of what grand final week uh, can bring to a club. I credit to them. I mean, they've played in, what, is this their third in four years? Mm. It's an amazing feat. And uh, to think that uh, they hadn't had a point, I think, to round four or something mm. like that. So, you know, Kevin's really turned the whole um, team around. And, and that's what final football. Yeah, we hear it that, uh, you know, it's home and away and, you know, Sydney are the best team. Well, yeah, they are. But we, we play finals. And uh, the grand final is a recognised champion. So it's only going to be Newcastle or, or Melbourne victory. All right, plenty more to come here on Football Bosses. Joel, Joel Griffiths, the football boss of the Newcastle Jets, will join us on the other side of this break. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Brought to you by DKP and Co. Chartered Accountants and Aspire Planning Group. Football bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio. Welcome back to the Football Bosses here on FNR. Michael Zapponi, Tony Pinata with you. And uh, one of the busiest football bosses in the country at the moment is Joel Griffiths. He joins us live from Newcastle. Joel, thanks for joining us. To, uh, what's the buzz like in Newcastle today? Oh, it's, it's like this pretty much for the whole week, I think. Um, uh, yeah, pretty crazy. Uh, there's a lot of people getting into it, which is good to see. Um, and, uh, yeah, sometimes I just want it to be Saturday already, uh, but we've still got two 
two days to go, and uh, yeah, hopefully, it, it, although although it won't, hopefully, it'll die down a little bit, and uh, we can get onto the onto the game. Joel, congratulations on making the grand final. Um, I said on air before, uh, ten years ago, you actually played in the grand final, didn't you? Correct. Yes. And I, I was there that day. Um, and uh, yeah, it was an amazing uh, victory, and, uh, and Jura got uh, the Joe Marston medal. Mm-hmm. And, well Con, and Con uh, got the trophy. <laughs> he pushed yeah. everyone off stage, and he held the trophy up. I remember. <laughs> Pretty much. So is Laurie, is Laurie going to jump on stage and push everyone out and take the trophy? No, nah, I can't see Laurie doing that. Can't see Martin doing that. Um, you know, it'll be well deserved if we do end up winning it. It's been a good year. A lot of lot of hard work has gone in on and off the field. So. Um, Joel, we've been speaking about the Jets, obviously, for uh, most of the year, considering the turnaround in fortunes of the club. It'll be the first club in Australian sports history to go from wooden spooners to champions should you win on Saturday. Do you have to sort of pinch yourself at times to uh, when you re- realise uh, what, what's been achieved so far this year? I know the ultimate hasn't been achieved yet, but uh, to see where you are coming into a grand final after what happened last year. Yeah, definitely, and I think... Um you know, win, lose, or draw. I think everyone at the club, the players, um, can really hold their he- uh, heads up really high. Um, obviously, the, you know, I, I still feel the club has a, a, a long way to go where where I can um, see the club being in, in a couple of years' time. So, you know, the footsteps um, and the pathway has definitely been set, and it's about um, maintaining that now. And um, but you know, take nothing away from the job Ernie's done and the, and the players that are born, bought into that his philosophy um, has been nothing more than remarkable and you know it's just it's just a privilege uh, to be part of something like this Joel um, I was just before speaking about sort of the the week and uh, and you know what's involved from a, a club perspective and uh, you know what, what we did at Sydney leading up to the grand final last year what have you been involved in, say, since you know, since you found out you're in the grand final? You know, Monday morning, you you go to the office right through to, to Saturday. Just uh, for our listeners, what what's involved from a uh, club point of view? Me personally, it, it's been pretty hectic, and Laurie's probably uh, timed that by about a hundred hmm. uh, because he just works way too much. He he answers every bloody phone call, even though I tell him to put his phone down every now and then. Um, but, um, you know, I, I've done a lot of um, interviews. Um, our, our, we're trying to take as much pressure off the players as possible um, with this lead-up. Um, obviously, they had their, their, their media day on Tuesday. And, uh, you know, but, um, you know, it's been pretty hectic. I, I, me, personally, I, I feel exhausted. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that will all turn around once, um, once I get to Saturday uh, and... Uh, drive probably into the stadium and then we switch on again and, and off we go. So, uh, no, it's a real team effort. Clubs take different approaches to, to grand final week. Tony mentioned Sydney FC in 2015 uh, sort of said, yeah, let's treat this like every other game. It didn't work mm. for them. And then last year they tried to embrace what grand final week was all about and uh, we know what the result was there. What's been your approach? Embrace it. You know, I think that you can't hide the fact that it's just normal game, even though you say it in your head, but it's not. Um, you have to enjoy it, enjoy the moment, enjoy it with the friends and family, um, because you know it's been ten years since we we're here before, and you don't know when our next one is. So, um, it definitely enjoyed. I think that's what we did in 08. 
you know, we, we have the mindset that this is a very community orientated club and um, it's it's to enjoy the week, enjoy the fans and what we achieved and not and not hide away from that fact. Some of the foreigners, uh, I'd imagine, will be. Uh, this might be their first ex- first experience of playing uh, uh, in in this type of format. How have they uh, reacted? Oh, they they they've played at AEK, and you know, I'm pretty sure you know what their fans are like. Yeah. And, and uh, Ronald's played for his national team against Brazil in Brazil, so um, I'm pretty sure he's, he's familiar with this type and. You'd think that these sort of players would, would rise to these occasions, definitely. Um, so, you know, it, it's a good test, but saying that, it's, 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 it's a game that, uh, um, and, uh, you know, if there's 90 minutes and whoever um, turns up pretty much wins. And, you know, you, there's, no, there's no such thing as complacency in, in, in a grand final these days. So it should be a good contest. Um, look, looking at the, the teams on paper, I think uh, you know. I think there'll be a few goals scored, um, so it should be an entertaining game for the neutral as well. When you look at uh, last Friday night, I was watching and uh, from afar, and and uh, when Melbourne City went up, the the, fa- the cameras focused on you and and Laurie. And uh, can you just talk us through what was going through your mind early on? Oh, I was really happy with how we we started the game because I always, you know. When teams have gone in front, I feel like the boys have played well, apart from that sort of like three weeks or four weeks of really mediocre performances. And that was the opposite. So I was really um, just, I just wanted a reaction from the boys because we had, we've had really good chances um, before they were, um, before they took the lead. So it was pretty much looking for reactions from the boys and, and, and they did that, even though, um, you know, it was it was a tight contest, and, and Melbourne City are very good outfit, well coached, well organised, and I, I felt that we cre- created enough chances to to get over the line. And tell us uh, when Riley McGree scored there, <laughs> that scorpion. What was your reaction in the stands? My reaction was, what the hell did <laughs> I? Yes, did I just witness? It was I was a little bit in shock, um, and it was just something that you know watching that live was something that i'll probably um will probably stay with me for a long long time so um it was good that it happened to us obviously a lot of people you know a lot of punters are saying it it was a bit lucky and and whatnot and you'll probably understand that and it probably was but you know what He, he definitely did mean to do it so i just don't think he meant to do it as good um and as precise as of how he done that. Well, I mean, it was a great exchange one too, and he actually does look over his shoulder where the ball oh, is. Yes. So I it's not as if he just yeah. stuck a, stuck a foot out. He actually looked over the shoulder and, and you know yeah. kicked it. And uh, I think it's more reflex. Yeah. Like when the ball's there, you, you're going to have to try and throw something at it, and mm. you go. And when you when your body falls and you're running at that speed, you have no other choice but to do that action. So um, it was just fortunate enough for him and the club that it, that it's gone in and pretty much set us up after that. 
talk to us about uh, the, the owner. We had Laurie McKinnon on a couple of months ago, and uh, he spoke uh, in glowing terms about the owner. And I've spoken to Ernie a lot this year on the sideline before a game at Fox Sports. It's the, it's the most relaxed I've ever seen Ernie Merrick, and uh, there's been a huge change in his demeanour, I think, in the way he goes about uh, his football now compared to when he was at Melbourne Victory. And that, that comes down to maturity. But firstly, about the owner and, and uh, what, your, your interactions with him and what he's brought to the club. Oh, he, you know, that's, that's a good question because a lot of people forget about that. And mm. he's probably the only, like being Chinese, I, I played over there for five years and, and I know what sort of like the presidents are like and when things don't go your way, I know how they can react in terms of saving face and all that. But he's, he hasn't, he, he's very, he loves to know what's going on, but he never gets involved. Everyone's got their responsibilities and roles and he trusts those individuals, um, to do that we came last last year mm. and if that was the bottom and he and he and he held he held himself the way he did then it, it just makes it so enjoyable when an owner doesn't get involved he, he loves to know what's going on but he doesn't sort of like dictate anyone's role or make them uncomfortable and i think that that shows in how ernie is has um taken the role in newcastle because I think he doesn't have that pressure and that constant bored niggle um, of the past, and uh, I, I think I think it shows with him enjoying himself. And I think that's reflected on what the team's been able to produce. Uh, the, the coach uh, and and his mentality this year has certainly rubbed off on the players. Correct, exactly. And uh, you you would never admit this, but when Laurie did come on our program, he said that uh, you had a recent trip to China. And uh, you got off the plane. I think Laurie might have been there and you were there. And uh, it was like um, uh, the the latest boy band uh, had just arrived in town. They were all over you still. Yeah, me and my brother Ryan, um, <laughs> they, they, they took us well. Like, they accepted us from the outset. And um, obviously, it helps win, win a championship for them as well. So, um, and that was, I think that was the first, first and last championship they won, actually. So... Um, no, it, I've always got fond memories with uh, with my time in Beijing, and uh, you know the fans over there have always been great to, to myself and my brother. So um, yeah, some really fond memories. But uh, yeah, he, he, he loves to exaggerate, Laurie. <laughs> Before we let you go, just just bring us into what it's like. I'll, I'll be uh, flying into Newcastle on on Saturday morning, but driving down the main street of Newcastle at the moment, we've seen pictures of you know houses being uh, uh, coloured with the, the jets. Uh, colours and, and uh, talk us through what it's like to walk down the main street of Newcastle at the moment. Well the main street of Newcastle if you call it Hunter Street yeah. um, is uh, got a big uh, tram line getting uh, uh, built. <laughs> so it's so, a construction site. <laughs> yeah pretty much so it might be hard to get through there but um, you know you just you just got to go to pockets of, um, of shops and on the radio and, and schools and, and just you know, the people wearing Jets uh, memorabilia everywhere in the street and whatnot. So, uh, no, it's it's a it's a good time to be in Overcastrian. That's for sure. It's good. I think it's great that the FFA have um, have uh, allocated a home final to Newcastle. Um, and uh, yeah, let, let's bring on Saturday. Yeah, look, it'll be an amazing atmosphere. And um, you know, talking to a lot of people, uh, it's just been so hard to get accommodation and flights. Uh, to uh, to Newcastle, so it's it's going to be spectacular. And uh, as I said, I can't wait. And um, Joel, it's going to be a uh, a great ninety minutes or more uh, ride for you. And if uh, if I can give you any uh, any experience from last year's penalty shootout, <laughs> you never oh know. Oh my god! 
God. Please don't even go there, Tony. I am freaking out already. And did you watch it all, by the way? Did you watch all the penalty shootouts? I, um, I would watch um, their penalty shootout. I wouldn't watch ours. I would listen for the roar. Um, <laughs> you would. I am. Uh, and I uh, now when Wilco missed it, I just thought, oh, my God. And then... Uh, Look, you always look for something, and I uh, last year I saw something that uh, went, okay, well, I think Carl Valeri's going to miss this, uh, the way he went up, or Roadhouse went up before Valeri, and then they stopped and they didn't know what they were going to do. And then, uh, look, but when you win it on a penalty, fantastic. Yeah, yeah I know, I know, I know. Just I know enjoy. Like, yeah, I know everyone doesn't like that sort of like uh, way to finish, but at the end of the day, I suppose there, there's always got to be one winner. And just on Sydney FC's uh, season... Um, I think they've had, you know, they're arguably the best team in the comp. And um, it's, it's, it probably creates another um, talking point about the 1-2 um, finish if you get a second chance or whatnot. But they've been exceptional for two years and, and I wish them all the best uh, after Arnie. Yeah, John, just before you do go, um, Michael asked me about my thoughts. And I, you know, when they changed this format a few years ago, I always felt that, um, you know, I know over the last few years, whoever's finished on top has won the grand final. 15 was victory, 16 yep. was Adelaide, 17. Uh, this year, you know, Sydney's out. What are your thoughts on the top two have a home and away playoff and then that winner, you know, away goals, etc. straight in the grand final and the loser will play out of the winner out of three, six, four, five or elimination yep. final. So it's a four-week yep. competition instead of three weeks. No, I, I, I'm 100% for that. I think it benefits the... Uh, the one-two anyway, um, and uh, it at least gives you another chance because obviously you know it just takes one win to, to and especially those conditions as well when you know it was wet, it was a miserable night. Um, Could have went either way. Yeah, you got the home ground advantage, but the rain takes that away a little bit because there's less people there. So um, I can understand um, that format. That for me, that makes sense. Um, and uh, but. Um, you know, unfortunately, we don't uh, we don't make the rules, and it is what it is. And and uh, yeah, we must move on. Well, Joel, we'll let you get back to uh, what is a very busy day for you. Good luck on uh, Saturday, and uh, look forward to seeing you there and soaking up the atmosphere uh, at uh, in the Hunter Valley. Cheers, guys. Thank you, Joel Griffiths, joining us on the Football Bosses. Here comes the money. Here we go. Brought to you by DKP and Co. Chartered Accountants and Aspire Planning Group. Football Bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio. Welcome back to Football Bosses here on FNR. Michael Zapponi and Tony Pignata with you for the last time this season. And it is grand final week. We spoke to Joel Griffiths at the Newcastle Jets. Time now to speak to the other camp the, in the blue corner. Paul Trimboli from Melbourne Victory. Trimmers, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, gentlemen. Mate, you've been involved in... Uh, I've lost count of how many grand finals as a, as a player and uh, now as an administrator. This is like second nature to you, surely. 
And it's a, a brilliant week uh, for the club, no doubt. And uh, we were touching on it earlier. Tomorrow, uh, the, the, the business community in Melbourne will be out in force. I think they're saying 1,400 people will be uh, at a lunch to to celebrate the grand final. And, and it's huge. And I, su- I suppose that summarises what it means to the, to the club and the club's supporters. Absolutely. And I think that particular event, the grand final luncheon, that, irrespective of whether Melbourne victory is in the game itself, has, has become something that sits on the calendar for of the football community uh, over the last you know, decade and it always has that extra special element when the team itself is, is in the grand final so yeah I think they're going to have a pretty good uh, afternoon there tomorrow yeah, It would have been a tough one uh, hosting the Sydney FC lunch this week I reckon Tony <laughs> <laughs> Yeah I um they had uh, yeah, about 500 people a bit mm. less than last year mm. a couple of tables didn't show up uh, pretty dour but an amazing, football. amazing performance on the park, uh, trimmers uh, by by the team, and I suppose you know Melbourne Victory goes into that game as uh, as an underdog, but you, you never stop believing that you can win that game against Sydney FC. But given you hadn't beaten them for two years, I suppose that highlights just how difficult it's been to to beat that uh, very very good side. Absolutely, I mean they've set an incredible uh, new level of performance and consistency in the last two seasons, it's, it's off the charts really when you look at back through the history of the A-League and uh, we've felt the brunt of it uh, on more than one occasion and the, the thing that we always held in the back of our mind was that each individual matchup has always been pretty tight and you know, we've never really been blown out of the water against them so even though they've always seemed to find the moments when they need them in those matches, we always felt that we were a good chance in all of them as well so, so we, we had some confidence that we could, we could win that game but Tell you what the, the emotional roller coaster, and you've got to pay credit to the players because to concede a goal with 13 seconds left after leading for that length of time in such a big game, to then find the will and the energy to, to then come again in extra time, it, it was an amazing effort. Well, the big blue delivered again, Trimmers, and you know, you we've been involved in a, quite a few, and I remember you know, last uh, last year as well, but um. Yeah, on the show last week, I said if there's anyone that can beat Sydney, it's going to be Melbourne Victory. Because you're right, you do tend to match up well with them. Um, the players have that extra, I suppose, spice uh, to the game. And it was only a, only going to be a matter of time before you actually, you know, went on to uh, to win it. But uh, the roller coaster ride and the emotion was, uh, and it was great theatre from a, uh, a a neutral last week. So, Trimmers, from your role, from the point of the, the games over on uh, on Saturday night, that we know that there were some issues that you had to deal with, and, and we won't go into too much detail now, but uh, obviously the, the sending off of your assistant coach and, and your goalkeeper coach was an unwanted distraction. But your role from, from that point onwards, uh, talk us through what the, the head of football needs to, to manage on a, on a grand final week. Yeah, the first thing uh, that sort of comes across my desk is obviously the logistics around the whole weekend coming up. Uh, obviously, we knew based on the result the night before that if we would get over the line, we would be travelling to Newcastle. So all of a sudden, your mind starts uh, leaning towards, OK, what is that trip like? Uh, when are we going to travel? Uh, are we going to train up there or stick to our routine? There's obviously you know different elements because Newcastle is not the easiest place to get in and out of because there's limited flights. Then all of a sudden it's, well, who's going to travel? And, and so it's all the mechanics and, and all the logistics that sort of consume you for the first couple of days. Um, and you sort of work off the template that you have during the regular season. It's just, you know, adding a few names, adding a, a little bit of extra stuff. So uh, you've got your process that you sort of go through. Um, and once we sort of lock 
within uh, the flights and the days we wanted to travel, then everything sort of started to flow from there. I know many fans found it hard to get a flight or didn't want to pay five times the normal price of a flight from, from Melbourne and a lot of flying into Sydney. What's uh, your schedule like uh, for the team? Yeah, it's worked out pretty well. We, we, we were told pretty early on that the stadium was unavailable for any mill sessions uh, due to, I think, the NRL have got a game there on Friday night. So we knew that uh, leading in, uh, which then made it easy for us because we said, OK, well, we're not going to travel up there and train at a venue that's not the stadium, so we'll stick to our own environment for all our sessions this week. And our normal routine for any away game is that we train the day before in the morning and then we tend to travel in the afternoon, have one night up there, then match day. So it worked out OK. We're travelling uh, around midday uh, up there. It's, you know, not a long flight, so that's good. And then we get in, we'll have a, a cruisy afternoon, some dinner and uh, get to bed early uh, for the big game. So uh, it was a little bit of mucking around trying to find the appropriate flights, but in the end, uh, the FFA and Qantas did a great job. Trimmers, um does FFA still have that fan day the day before where both teams have to attend? No, that was uh, something that when they moved the grand final from the Sunday to the Saturday, uh, obviously the day prior would now be a work day um, Friday. So oh. they, did, they took that off the calendar. So that was the other thing. So Brilliant. sort of compulsory things, that, yeah, which worked out well because clearly if you had to do that in conjunction with training, then you probably have to go the extra day. But in this case, we didn't. Uh, obviously, we need to be up there for the press conference, which involves Kevin and Carl uh, Valeri. Uh, and that was only the, that was the real uh, one that we had to attend. Everything else uh, was pretty much what we wanted to do. So we'll have the match coordination meeting where the footy managers and the media guys from the different clubs uh, sit with the FFA guys and just go through all the match day operations and how it's all going to unfold. But we're going to do that by teleconference this afternoon. So uh, in the past, we've also done that on the ground in the city with the grand final. So, so they've streamlined it quite well. We, we know that it is difficult to win uh, grand finals away from home. Uh, you had the experience of being very close last year. Did you learn anything from, from last year uh, bringing it into this year's grand final? Uh, we haven't really talked about last year, to be honest, Jeff. We, um I mean, obviously, you know, we remember what we did in an operational sense, but it was kind of, once that's gone, you know what it's like in sport, you kind of, if it hasn't gone well for you, try to put it in the books and, and move on. And, uh, you know, we've got a different group. We've got some same players, but we've got some new players, uh, guys who haven't experienced grand final day. So, yeah, we've sort of steered away from sort of trying to think back too much to last year. Uh, that was, you know, it was pretty emotional the way it unfolded. I think what it does show you, though, is that, uh, you know, the games are very, very even and it's very, you know, it's very difficult to win grand finals and, and they can go the, you know, the 90 minutes, 120 minutes and, and we're expecting a massive, you know, tough game this week as well. So. We, we asked Joel Griffiths earlier around, uh, you know, the approach to the week and it's, it's difficult to approach uh, in Newcastle and miss the fact that uh, they're playing in a grand final given that it's, uh, it's a small, well, it's not a small town, but it's uh, not a major capital city. So everyone's behind them there. Do, does the Melbourne victory have a, a strategy around, you know, how to approach from a player's perspective? Is the advice from Kevin and from you to embrace the week and, and soak it up or treat it like a normal game? No, I think you, you need to treat it like it's grand final week. I think you don't get that many opportunities in your career to play in grand final, so so it would be a shame not to, not to embrace it. Clearly, you have to you know stick to your routines that have been uh, what's given you the success in the builder. But I think to try to ignore it is not the right way to go either. Uh, we had training today it was like an open training, and a lot of the fans came down to to have a look at training and sort of cheer the boys on, and the boys signed some autographs at the end, took some photos, and and it was nice because tomorrow will be a really short session where we'll just focus on some 
sort of set pieces and stuff and then get on the bus to the airport. So, um, you know, the boys have been been aware that it isn't a normal week. It is grand final week. You, you play your whole career to get into these situations. So, you, you know, you want to have... And you want to have a good time at the same time, but uh, you just when it comes to the training sessions and when it comes to the you know the preparation in a personal sense, I think uh, everyone does their normal thing. But around the club, you, you can tell it is a big week for everyone. Tim is um, one of the uh, sort of things that highlighted from last week, and, and Graham spoke a little bit about it was the the format. Um, and I remember when I was at Sydney when we when they did change it and they went to a three week format. Um, you know, I've raised it a couple of times about you know, one in two being disadvantaged. And, okay, you know, it's a great stat that the second-place team in the 13 years has always made it to the grand final, which is um, amazing. And over the last, I think, three years, the one who's finished on top has won the grand final. What are your thoughts on adding an extra week and having one V2 have a home-and-away playoff and over those two legs, the winner goes straight in the grand final and the loser has a double chance to play the winner out of three, six, four or five in a preliminary final week three. Yeah, this is, it's sort of an ongoing debate, isn't it? And I think depending on where you sit at any given time is how you kind of lean towards the format. So it's, I think uh, we've seen it pan out pretty much uh, as the latter, like you just quoted the stats just then. Uh, I think that... that tricky part, if you're one of the top two teams, is that the week without playing, the first week of the finals, is almost your second chance, but it's not two cracks in the game, so there's not two games where if you win, you can get in the grand final, you know, you still only got that really cutthroat one, um, but I think that, that lines up with the whole nature of finals, and that's that end, endless debate about, you know, first past the post as to the grand final, but I think that element of, uh, of knockout really creates the drama as the drama, but yeah, you can feel a little bit short-changed if on one day out of the whole season, you know, it doesn't go your way, and you don't even end up in the showpiece game. So I can see how that would pan out and you'd be disappointed uh, depending on your team. But I think you've got to look at it over the whole and I think those stats that you quoted I think pretty much support that uh, it sort of does favour those teams who have finished high up as it should. Speaking of drama, there was a bit after the game <laughs> in Sydney. Now, you are the most calm and measured man I've met, Trimmers. My question to you is... Uh, are you going to be sitting on the bench this week? I know you don't normally like to do this, but given the fact that there are two spare seats, will you be there maybe trying to calm things down if required? Well, hopefully uh, we will all have learned from uh, what happened at the end of that game and uh, we won't see a repeat anytime soon. Uh, As to the makeup of the bench, we haven't quite finalised it as yet. Clearly, as you said, we're two men down on the bench, but uh, I think I'll sit with Kev and, and figure out what which way he wants to go. I know he won't want to uh, He won't want to change it in the sense of creating any sort of fuss about, well, what's this person doing? He's not normally here, mm. you know, upsetting that mix. But at the same time, there's some, there's some functions that need to be done by the people on the bench. And, um, yeah, we just need to work out how we're going to go about it, but we haven't quite made a final. So like Dean Anastasiadis, for instance, I'm pretty sure he's the one that, that takes the numbers over to the fourth official normally and, uh, and hands well, over. He's yeah. got to warm up yeah. the keepers. Yeah. So they need a goalkeeper. Yeah, so coach. there's a few, yeah. yeah. Functions clearly the, the warm up for the goalkeepers, which is very important. Yeah. Then there's the management substitutions, and then there's also, uh, which is always a, the one I always look at a distance. And I see the assistant coaches are running through the set plays with the subs that are about to go on. Yeah. And it looks like the assistant coach is really into it and knows exactly what's going on, and the player seems completely distracted. <laughs> but he's not even watching. So that. And then also, because we have our uh, Anthony Career who generally warms up the substitutes a fair way from the bench. 
generally any sort of message or information, if Kevin needs to get a message to him to get someone ready, then that tends to be the assistant coach might go down and give that message. So there is a few, yeah, we've got to get our heads around the mechanics of it, how it's going to work, because we don't want to put ourselves under pressure and, and then miss stuff like that. I'm sure you've thought about it, and, and you know, you, you'll, we'll, we'll see who it is on, on Saturday night, but uh, uh, do you look at the, the broader uh, team uh, staff that you've got, like assistant uh, youth coaches, or, or how do you, you how do you assess, and do they need any other qualification to sit on the bench, or it's just a matter of uh, who's available? Yeah, and obviously we look at the, the the overall football staff. At the start of the season, you register X amount of uh, football staff as team officials, and they're eligible to sit on the bench. Uh, they need to be in a certain category when you register them, whether they be strength and conditioning, goalkeeper coach, coach, team management, doctor, all that kind of stuff. But they're the pool that you sort of choose from that you pick your seven match day team officials. So, yeah, we do have uh, have some options, um, and it depends which way Kevin wants to go. Zappers, I loved how um, Trimmers walked up JP into the change rooms, came down, Dean was walking towards him, and he pointed. I think you said to Dean, You sent off as well? <laughs> yeah, I did. I was shocked. I said, Don't What are you doing? You're sent off again. <laughs> yeah, he goes, You nodded. Yeah, okay, come with me. You have to take him back in the rooms. But uh, Poor old Trimmers. Oh, well, look, it was uh, in the end. In the end, it was uh, a terrific night for the club, uh, all things considered, and uh, I'm, I'm sure the celebrations uh, lasted long into the night, not from, from you and the players, but uh, I know a lot of the, the board members and, and sponsors were there, and, uh, and they certainly enjoyed the night. Yeah, I, I think, um, how was um, Terry Antonis, the emotion he went through over those, uh, basically, um, you know, 10 seconds to go in the 95th minute, and then, uh, you know, scoring the winner? How was he uh, after the game? Yeah, he was very emotional, as you can imagine, and um, being a Sydney boy as well, he had his family at the hotel when we got back after the game, and uh, it was a great story for him, you know, because he's, he's done it tough, he was in Europe, uh, and things didn't really pan out for him, he didn't play as much as, as he wanted to, came back uh, to Australia in January and joined us, and, uh, you know, had to get himself up to speed in terms of his match fitness and understanding the way the team was working, but he's, he's sort of really grown in the last month, I think, uh, and that... 15 minutes or so that he had to endure between scoring the own goal and then scoring the winner would have been some of the toughest uh, mm. uh, he's been through. And, and the other thing too, which probably people, uh, it, I think they realised afterwards, but because we made certain substitutions at the back end of the game to try to manage the situation and the clock, we actually had quite a number of our leadership players kind of off the field. They were all so on the bench, yeah. yeah. Barisha, Travisi yeah. and George. And Leroy and George, yeah. And then if you add in the fact that Rich Williams is already yeah. missing from the start, then all of a sudden it was incumbent on the on the two or three what we would call experienced players. And Terry's still a young man, but he has played internationally. Uh, it was them to hold it together because the momentum was clearly one way when Sydney FC got that equaliser yeah, right at the death. So, you know, to be playing away, the crowd against us, those guys, Carl Valeri in that leadership position, Lee Broxham, Costa Barbarossa, Terry and Tennis, they had to really hold it together and, and, and Terry led them to the front. Full credit to them. They did. It was a magnificent game to watch. And uh, we said it earlier, it was uh, the shot in the arm that the, the A-League needed uh, this weekend. Terrific games, both of them. And uh, we wish you all the best on Saturday. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks, gentlemen. I appreciate your time. Paul Trimboli, we appreciate your time. Uh, the uh, head of football at the Melbourne Victory. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Brought to you by DKP and Co. Chartered Accountants and Aspire Planning Group. Football bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio.
Welcome back to the Football Bosses, the grand final edition and our last edition for the season. Tony, it's been a terrific journey uh, and uh, we thank all of our listeners for being part of our show and uh, we hope to do it all again at the start of next season. Before we go, grand final, what are you expecting? Um, my tip is is Melbourne, Melbourne victory. I think they've got the experience. They've got the, um, you know, and Kevin, Kevin treats the grand final like a grand final mm. and, um, you know, Having played against them in in two you know two grand finals, he'll get the boys up. So I'm expecting uh, you know Newcastle to to come out, but I'm expecting experience of victory to uh, get them. I think it's going to be a ripper. I think it's going to be tight, and I think uh, Newcastle. The danger with Newcastle Jets, and we heard Joel Griffiths, and not that it was he he said the wrong thing, but we heard him talk about the fact that whatever happens this weekend, we've overachieved. We made the wooden spoon last year, and. This year, we've made the grand final. We've overachieved. So whatever happens this week, they've had a magnificent year. It would be the icing on the cake if they win it. But I just get the sense that uh, perhaps for this team that doesn't have a lot of uh, finals experience, that uh, Melbourne victory will uh, will take the trophy on Saturday night. Yeah, I tend to agree. And I think... um but, you know, saying that, an early goal in the crowd, mm. 30,000. Um, but whatever, it's going to be a fantastic uh, climax to a, you know, a season. Winning a grand final away from home is very difficult. Hasn't been done often. Sydney FC did it the here team that's been done. Uh, against Melbourne victory in a penalty shootout. Although but Newcastle deep beat Central Coast. Well, that was technically, technically a neutral away, venue, neutral wasn't venue. it? But Sydney's the only one on penalties uh, back in uh, 09 10. And that was the one where Kevin Musket hadn't missed a penalty his whole career at uh, at Melbourne Victory. And he'd taken, I think, 25 or something like mm. that and, uh, and missed that one in the penalty shootout. So it just highlights how difficult it is to win a grand final away from home. It's going to be a terrific uh, uh, evening. I'm, I'm wrapped that it's on a Saturday night as well. I think that's a really positive move by the FFA. Yeah, they changed it uh, for a couple of reasons. I think one was the main reason was the uh, Champions League being mm. played the week after to give um, you know Victory or Sydney, which hasn't worked out. Uh, but I think a Saturday night's great. Gives fans a chance to, to fly back on a Sunday. To travel. And, yeah. and you'll see a huge number of Melbourne Victory supporters travelling up for the game, uh, flying up into Sydney. A lot of them are flying into Sydney. I know there are a lot of coaches going out from Sydney Airport straight up to, to Newcastle. Drive. And uh, there's a train up there as well. So there'll be plenty of uh, Navy Blue uh, at uh, McDonald Jones Stadium on Saturday night. We look forward to uh, watching it and uh, look forward to bringing it to you, of course, on Fox Sports as well. Uh, Tony, thanks again and uh, and thank you to our listeners. Yeah, no, uh, been a great uh, six months. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the show. We've loved uh Doing it and uh, bringing uh, our guests uh, from a football boss's perspective. And um, we'll see you all back uh, next season. Yeah, from me, Michael Zapponi, and from Tony Pinata, it's goodbye for now. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Brought to you by DKP and Co. Chartered Accountants and Aspire Planning Group. Football bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio. Let's go.